Jeez, it's hard to believe that almost this time last year we had a chat. Um, this year has gone by, uh, well, last year went by so quickly for the both of us. And it was just, I remember chatting to you before I left for Amsterdam. But it's been a crazy year for everyone, I guess. And um, I guess a good starting question uh, for those that, well, for those who haven't listened to the last episode that we had together, honestly, I implore you to listen to it because we got into so much and it was one of my most viewed episodes last year. So I was really, <laughs> really thankful for that. But it, it has been a crazy year and everyone's learned a lot of different things. But um, is there things that maybe you changed your mind on um, in, in this last year of, of your growth and journey? Or is there maybe things that have like been reinforced into your consciousness, things that just seem even more clear to you now? Um, however you want to answer that and structure that, it's up to you. But yeah, it'll be good to, be good to catch up and, and hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, thank you for having me and thank you for round two. Um, I suppose these last two years have been quite a blur, not going to lie. Um, but particularly this last year, I was in my final year at college studying musical theater. So that was extremely intense. Um, I will say this again, musical theater is not for the faint hearted. <laughs> and yeah, it really pushed me to my limits. And I think especially the fact that it was final year was really, I, yeah, it's super rewarding. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I still can't really believe that I'm like finished and now pretty much like a professional in the industry. So that's really, really cool. But wow. up and above that, I think um, I was just so grateful that I have had all of this, well, you know, just been going through this amazing journey alongside and how just, you know, really prioritizing my health and wellness and fitness, both mentally and physically has significantly was able to just like help me completely, I think just really get through without, you know, burnout or crumbling down so I'm super grateful mm. for all the knowledge that I've had throughout um and yeah in terms of like you know thinking back from where I was in round one I think um what's become much more significantly apparent is the concept of bio-individuality and how you know we are mm. all merely humans we are individual humans so what works for one does not work for other for other people and just you can't really put a cookie cut formula on someone you know mm. with regards to health and fitness and prescription medication and whatnot and I think mm -hmm. just the importance as um, being like a human being able to you know think critically but also being able to connect to yourself and really rationalize things for yourself to the point where you are brave enough to admit the things that may not be working and mm -hmm. you know be brave enough and daring enough to experiment and try different things um and I think I'm just referring to things like you know different types of exercise or movement practices or different kinds of foods that you can eat and all these different things and you know in the echo chamber of health and wellness via social media which I suppose we can go into about mm -hmm. opinions on that I think it's very dangerous to be someone who um you know doesn't necessarily have the confidence to accept that they are by individual I think a lot mm. of the time similar to peer pressure you can get so easily influenced I mean they are called influences for a reason but you know I see a lot of like time and time again people and I've also experienced it with myself like I have like you know followed the advice of person x and it actually doesn't necessarily work with me but I keep going because oh my gosh well 
he or she has got the body that I like. He has got his sleep, mm. you know, worked out. So it must be working. So if it's working for him, why should it not work for me? And yes, mm. I suppose we are all humans and we do have like very similar makeup, you know, with DNA and genetics and, 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 but at the same time, we are also by individual and, you know, even if it's like while listening to a podcast with a doctor, let's say the doctor specializes in diabetes and he's speaking about a, spe a context specific scenario of someone with type 2 diabetes. And then I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should try these things. But then to have the confidence to be like, hold on, I don't have type 2 diabetes. I'm not diabetic. This doesn't necessarily apply to me. Um, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I'm obviously involved in a lot of the keto carnivore groups on Facebook and I have a lot of like um, friends online and you know we often we often talk especially with women and it, we get um, very influenced by you know the the quote-unquote fads and crazies you know like your protein fat ratios and all these things mm. you can get so caught up in this echo chamber and you know a lot of the time women which is amazing there's such an amazing community and that's another thing that I would love to speak about is the like there's another vitamin c and that's community but Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that like women often will like share their stories and stuff. And, you know, a lot of the time women ask, okay, well, what did you eat? What were your macros? Um, how much exercise did you do? And all mm -hmm. these things. And it's like, you can't necessarily take what they are doing and think that it will work with you. And I think it can be very dangerous if you don't necessarily have the ability to like step back and be like, okay, well, that's for her it's working for her and I know in the beginning I was totally influenced by what was working for people and all the like what exercise they were doing and how much they were eating and all these things and I know like it's a huge craze on TikTok I don't have TikTok so I don't I've just seen the videos on YouTube and stuff and like obviously a lot of my friends have TikTok but you know like this whole like what I eat in a day thing that's like huge mm. and you know I think it's it can be very dangerous if you're just following blindly all these influences and stuff you don't know what's going on behind the scenes you don't even know if they're freaking healthy like are they menstruating like you know all these different mm. things you don't know what their thyroid is doing you don't know what their hormones are doing do they have a sex drive like you know those are all markers of health that we don't actually necessarily see and I think this can go into so many different things about social media and even just in like again like photoshop and magazines and you know all of these things that when when someone hasn't necessarily developed the confidence to understand that they are who they are and they are different and you know and to be okay with that i think it can be a very dangerous slope and i definitely got sucked into it 100 like 100 and i think it's really really hard especially when we're like so bombarded by this all the time i mean I find myself scrolling on freaking Instagram for like an hour and I actually feel disgusting. I'm like, I've just mm. wasted an hour that I could have, you know, written something or journaled or, you know, contacted someone, had a chat with my grandmother, like gone outside, gone for a walk, get some more vitamin D. So yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I have noticed in myself that has like been a game changer is just acknowledging that I am different and what's working for someone may not necessarily work for mm. me. Um, and also the fact that the only constant in life is change and things might change. Like right now, higher fat, lower protein is working for me. But, you know, like there was a time where that didn't work for me. And I actually preferred like much higher protein. Chloe agrees, my little dog. I don't yeah. Know dog. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, and I think just I think the biggest hack in life is to be able to listen to your body and tap in into that intuition and also be OK with that, because, you know, like I I don't count calories I honestly don't care about calories like and because you know caring about calories just 
hindered me so much in my growth. And mm. yeah, calories can matter. They do matter, but we're not a closed system. We're an open system. It's so context specific. And it also, you know, it's not really about the calories, but it's about the quality of those calories. Um, mm. So but yeah, I just want to okay. go yeah. back like that. I mean, what you said, I love that like vitamin C, I mean, is, is, can also be in community. Uh, and that's so, that's so true. And that's so important. And people forget that. And I think a lot of people, I've said this before, I'll say it again, is I think a lot of people come to the carnival space and they create these at carnival Karen Instagram handles yes. and accounts because, yeah. because they're just seeking love and approval. And this diet yeah. is, a, is a way of, of getting that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, I find myself sometimes scrolling on Instagram. I actually feel sick. It, it, it's actually, yeah. to me, it's, it, it's almost like eating too much carbs. I actually feel <laughs> it's like social media has become the new carbs. I actually feel like I've overindulged and my nervous system, my dopamine <laughs> is just running on fumes. And, um, you know, that, that's why I love, I, I, I would like to think I coined this phrase, but I probably didn't, but intermittent social media fasting, I do that each day, but like, oh, yeah. I only go on social media, like the second half of my day. So anybody that knows what intermittent fasting is with food, you sort of push your first meal back or however you structure it. But the, the, the sort of, the sort of normal way to do it is you push your first meal as far into the day as possible. So you probably you probably finish your you probably finish your evening meal at like 7 p.m. the night before. You'll only eat your first meal at like 12, 12 lunchtime the next day. So I do that with social media. I literally, my mornings are sacred. And because I know as soon as I open up that Instagram fucking thing, it's you just like opening in. up, you get sucked in. And it's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes me contemplate why I'm even on this platform each and every single day. <laughs> I mean, there's some, some beautiful things that come out of it. I've, I've met amazing people like you, Nicole, uh, Millie, all of these amazing people I've met through Instagram. But like you said, it's like you could be doing things with your time that <laughs> that's just so far removed from, from what you do on Instagram <laughs> and probably yeah. probably probably more beneficial. So I, th I think we're in, a, we're in a huge social experiment right now that <laughs> we just don't know the end results yet. <laughs> yeah, so, it's like that's, yeah. that's, yeah, technology, what could go wrong? Mm, um, mm. Yeah, you actually brought up a lot there that I would love to speak about. So just with regards to like, just going back to intermittent fasting and just having a, an eating window. I, I used to intermittent fast, but like backtrack it. So I also used to wait until the latest time to mm. eat something, usually after college. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know how, how I did it, but I mean, I know, I think a big thing, again, going back to bio individuality and like looking at your context. So like for a female, that's not necessarily, I was just driving my hormones into the pits. Like absolutely. My cortisol was so high by the time I got home, I was absolutely so starving and, you know, just delving into quantum medicine and quantum energy and stuff. And, you know, just realizing, applying, you know, all I know about like circadian rhythm to your eating time, like, and again, if you think about it, like ancestrally, our, we would eat during when like the sun was was out, right? Um, that's how our bodies are, like that's how our metabolism is primed. It's primed to be eating when the sun is is out. Because um, obviously our every organ in our body has, has its own and every like function in our body has its own circadian rhythm. So 
um, I got to a point where I just couldn't wait until the end of the day to eat. And then also I would eat such a huge meal and I would like go to bed like so full and mm. it would just obviously interact with my, my sleep. So a big thing that I changed in this past year was I actually eat earlier. I literally, cause I've always been someone where I wake up, I'm starving. Like I'm just hungry. Um, well, not, not necessarily always. Like I still, I first do like a walk and I do some like journaling and meditation, but um, I am, I definitely could eat in the early hours of the day and you know for me just pushing it like even beyond 12 too is just like makes me more stressed so I've had to watch out for that and obviously in my context you know with recovering from an eating disorder I really do have to that was a huge like milestone that I could get to to be like no just because someone is waiting until 12 32 to eat something doesn't mean that I have to like my body's telling me that I'm hungry now so yeah I just wanted to say and I think everyone's different I do know that men are just like primed to be able to really thrive under intermittent fasting conditions so i know like you know fasting for men is different for fasting for women and dr stephanie estima who i absolutely love really is vocal about you know the difference between women and male physiology like we're not just little men so she's yeah she's really incredible if anyone wants mm. to, especially women wants to just you know really become confident in that women are not the same as mm. men and i think it's the same like you know women I respond differently to ketogenesis like lowering your carbohydrates than men do too so that's also mm. another thing to consider and obviously women have a menstrual cycle so that's another thing to take but i've gone on so many different tangents but going back to what you were saying about like social media and just so like i obviously during college like my hours were ridiculous like literally sometimes 16 hour days with like one break it's just crazy so i never really had the time to just scroll on social media um, because whenever we did have a break, I was usually outside going for a walk or eating my lunch outside or something like that. So um, now that I've had the time, I was like, oh, I really do feel absolutely disgusting about <laughs> just like <laughs> wasting so much time on social media. But it's also so hard because the world has literally become virtual. And I think it goes to like finding the balance. And I think, um, you know, it's actually so funny. Dr. Stephanie Steemer actually sent out like a little article yesterday where she was speaking about like how to get out of a rut and it's like the most simple thing because if you think about it like firstly the answer is just move because you know just that's what the, the definition of being a rut is like you're stuck so just move and also like you know and we're just built to move as human animals right so anyway just going back to her and what she was saying and I think often I think the why I feel so sick is because I feel like so unproductive I was like I've just wasted so much time and then the only way to snap out of that is to just move and do something else and I think mm. um you know I think also what happens when you're on social media often it's on our phones and that's again like with artificial light which again is a whole another whole thing that we can go into you know the fact of like natural light versus artificial light and how artificial light is actually pretty much like junk food in a lot of regards um but yeah and like because we're staring at these like phone screens and you just get sucked in and quite literally your worldview becomes so small and so narrow but then all you have to do to like get out of that is just look up and look at the horizon and just broaden your whole worldview again and in that way it literally stimulates the parasympathetic nervous state and it takes you out of one of like myopic thinking to one of like just ease so what I find yeah. myself doing is if I do feel like stuck you know just a little hack I literally be like I like force myself to just put my phone my phone down like that's the first move and at least I've moved and then I look up and then I like broaden my horizon and then I'm like okay there's a whole world out there I don't have to be so sucked in and I think 
yeah, I think I'm sure there are apps that like literally limit your time of what you can spend. I think that's a really good um, little hack to just hack your environment. I think the whole biggest thing is just little things that you can do to literally hack your environment and that automatically results in like more productivity and et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> That, that it's, a, it's a very interesting topic because um, I suppose we're, we're, we're talking about things that we're changing our minds on. And um, I also want to touch on like college um, and it's artificial light as well. But I don't know, I've been obsessed by a book recently. It's called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Um, but uh, if, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. But it's so good. Um, but you are right. There's many hacks you can do and I'm the first to admit, I'm, I'm, I used to be like so into just trying to hack everything and try and get everything done and, and being this productivity master. But, you know, in this book, he speaks about the finitude of life and how little time we actually do have. And I think this whole concept of thinking of time as this resource that we need to use is, is kind of what set us back a bit you know it's like you look at an animal an animal doesn't know how, what time it is it doesn't know when it's going to die it just lives its life you know so time is such an interesting thing and, and that book of recent has really I, I actually said in my weekly newsletter that I don't think it's a book it's a psychedelic it, it's it just opened my <laughs> consciousness to another dimension reading that book but it really it just made me so much more peaceful with the fact that that just accepting how little time I do have and accepting the fact that I will not get everything I want to get done. No matter how hard you try, you'll never hack your life to the point where you're going to get everything done. Even if you do get everything done, the more productive you become, the more you're going to be able to do. So therefore you're going to fill your schedule with exactly. more things anyway, you know? So what is productivity? It's just, it's just filling your schedule with more things to do that probably aren't really aligned with your true values anyway. But you're bringing up a really important point because, um, you know, you talk about college a lot. And when I was in college as well, I was so like my cortisol and things were just probably through the roof because I was intermittent fasting uh, like 18 hours a day, doing CrossFit six times a week on nothing but caffeine and whatever oh the gosh. leftover thing from the night before, yeah. going, to, going to festivals on the weekend, just yeah, doing bad things at festivals, but having a good time. But I mean, like you said, you don't know how you do it, but it's, it's only when you slow down a bit and you take the time mm. to sort of recollect yourself that you, you realize what you, what you were doing. But I mean, obviously it served a purpose, you know, I suppose, yeah. I, I suppose that's a huge thing is that our, our past behaviors are not something to be regretful for or something to uh, diminish it served a purpose because it was getting us out of that you know that state that we might not have like enjoyed at the time um that's a super it's a super super important point because i think a lot of a lot of people our age and younger um there's not many people our age to be honest in the, in the sphere let's just put it out there like <laughs> as as is but um, yeah. there's a lot of people that are young and our age that are like truly suffering and don't believe that something as simple as changing your diets can help you or, or, you know, like you say, these little hacks that definitely do work. I think they can be over, I think you can over hack things a bit, but oh, there's yeah. certain hacks that just work like, like you cannot believe, but, um, 
like what are your thoughts on sort of the younger generation adopting let's just say a meat-based lifestyle or carnivore lifestyle however you want to call it because it's the catalyst for so many different things but yeah like what are your thoughts on on the the social disconnection that maybe people are afraid of when they when they do something like this because they they, they're tied to their old identities yeah i think it's both a blessing and a curse to be young because i think uh well unfortunately we think that just our bodies are resilient right so you can get away with a lot of shit as a young person and like you know just i'm thinking of drinking and partying and lack of sleep and all these things that you know eventually will catch up on you um and I think that's often what happens I think after people you know reach the age of 30 plus they start to like hit a wall and they you know a lot of these things start popping up in like with their health and stuff so I'm just so grateful that I got into the space young um and I just look at my little brother he's like 16 now and he's also just completely transformed his whole life like his whole life and you know he to be a 16 year old and to like literally he says he like he just feels so much energy and mm. um he's never he just like feels he can sleep well like he's so fit like he's also big into bodybuilding and stuff now which we'll definitely speak about bro diet <laughs> mm. um but yeah um i think i think going back to the whole your body is resilient i think yeah, it's, it can be, you know, like oftentimes, for example, insulin resistance takes like minimum 10 years to like mm. almost quote unquote, like properly diagnose. And it's often when we get what, these What is insulin like, resistance for somebody that might, might not know what insulin resistance is? Well, basically it's, I mean, your body produces insulin uh, to deal with uh, carbohydrate intake. It's literally a hormone well, yeah. that stores glycogen, you know, into your, into your muscles. And, and when you become insulin like resistance your body does your body can't deal with the level of glucose that's floating around your bloodstream like it used to when you were maybe younger and i mean i I suppose it's one of the biggest like uh it's one of the biggest i would say precursors to so many other diseases today you know yeah uh but i mean like i know ben bickman in his book um why we get sick is a brilliant resource Mm. about insulin resistance and how it's at the root of so many chronic um, illnesses. For example, PCOS is pretty much um, insulin resistance in the ovaries. So Mm. I know that's quite a common thing that a lot of young females are experiencing at the moment. Um, And it's crazy. Sorry. It's crazy that it's crazy that the default people that don't know, like the default (laughs) fucking sort of preventative measure is let's give you more insulin for the problem. Let's, it's not, let's take away the thing that's causing the problem, which is fucking processed carbohydrates and seed oils. It's, it's not that, you know, the, the first line of prevention in today's modern society is, oh, let's give you a continuous glucose monitor and let's jab you with insulin every time you're eating bread. Like, how about just, how about just don't eat bread? <laughs> like, they that yeah. should be the first the first like a line of measure you know um it's it's nuts it's nuts uh, it, it's just crazy and and i'm i'm definitely not a doctor i'm definitely not an expert but to me i i am a simplifier and that seems like 
a simple thing to do. You know, again, I, I want to touch on, on this idea that you need to get everything right. You know, when, when I was, when I, in 2014, I made this, the decision to change my life basically by losing like over 40 kilograms of weight, 90 pounds, if you're in the States. Um, I didn't, I didn't have all the resources people have today. I didn't overthink it. All I did was I knew that carbs caused weight gain. So all I did was I just cut down my carbs. I exercised more and Hey, I lost weight. You know, it was like, okay, I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not, I'm not saying it's that simple for everyone, but mm. I didn't over analyze every part of my lifestyle to the point where I drove myself manic. And, and I suppose I got into that later and it, it served a purpose, but um, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on like, on, on, on simplifying things, you know, I, I know you, you super, you're way more knowledgeable than me, but like, what, what are the things that you do? Um, like when you're going to college, what are the things you do to make your life simple that makes this lifestyle sort of palatable for somebody our age, you know, where, where they don't have yeah. to overthink it. Is there some, is there some thoughts on your end for that? Um, I think again, it's, it's a whole process. Like obviously when you start something new, like you start a new diet or you start a new exercise regime, like you're excited, right? So you want to like go all in, you know, and especially like, especially for like black and white type A personalities, like you really are like, you go hard or go home. So, but I think it's all part of the the process and the journey. Like in the beginning, I was like, I was excited and I was like, I'm going to fast until after college and all these things but then eventually I realized no 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 this is not working and my body had many ways to let me know that it was not working um in terms of making things simple like you know just applying everything I've learned like with circadian rhythm and honestly like the biggest question that I always ask myself is like what would my ancestors have done like how would our ancestors have lived so going back to like I, I'm not, I suppose I can sort of work through my daily routine so I suppose the the day always starts, I am like a definitely an advocate for preparing oneself and just always having a plan. So like meal prep is a big thing for me, obviously, because I don't want to just be stuck somewhere without, you know, food, you know, mm. that I can't necessarily, like, you can always go buy something horrible at a shop, right? Like, you know, it's easy to just reach for all these processed foods, but because I know about like what some of those ingredients can do to your body, which we can also get into, I would rather not like, put that mm. into my body just because like yeah I mean we, it's it's I can liken it to smoking or drinking alcohol we know that it's bad for us yet you know some people still do it and for me I suppose we all have different priorities but my priority is health and longevity so no I would rather not put that inside my body and unfortunately we are also in a world where junk food has become so normalized that if you start eating healthy you are like thought of as you're having like an eating disorder or you're being difficult or something which is another thing that I it's like very close to my heart obviously having an eating disorder you know in recovery from it yeah I can go on so many tangents but I'll try go back to what I was speaking about so meal prep is really important um and I think also the beauty about meal prep and is the fact that you feeling like you're doing something and that um triggers the feeling of productivity and that you know motivates you to just carry on doing so usually my meals that I pack for college because obviously you can't just cook a steak at college which is obviously the most ideal so mm -hmm. I personally do not like eating cold steak so I have resorted to things like minced meat and eggs and um, 
butter and I'm trying to think chicken, um, just things that you can eat cold and you, like don't necessarily smell. Like, I mean, I would have sardines and stuff, but I mean, just to, <laughs> I don't think many people like the smell of that. So mm, yeah. yeah, usually my, <laughs> the food that I pack for college is like pretty much basic, like mince and eggs, pretty much. Um, and yeah, that's, but back to your, college. before that, what, what, what's your, what is your morning like routine look like before okay. the meal prepping? Like, do you wake up, meditate? What, what do you do? Sure. So I wake up and I've always been naturally like a morning bird. So I'm always up around sunrise or even before, like now it's summer in South Africa. So the sun is up pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the first thing I do is I um, just lie in bed for a few seconds and just, you know, I suppose it's like a, little meditation for the day and just some gratitude reaffirmations and then I get up and then I go for a sunrise walk and that's when I listen to my podcasts and for me that's like my time it's my time to reconnect and you know after that walk it's I just you know the endorphins are running and you just feel so good and yeah I don't go on social media either um so yeah wake up a few affirmations get outside be in the sunlight because I mean that morning sunrise that morning sunlight is so important for us to be exposed to just to help you know strengthen your natural circadian rhythm and you know getting getting that normal that um the UVA and UVB into your eyes just to prime your body for the day ahead and yeah um so many important uh factors that so many people speak about just Mm. with that morning sunrise i would say sunrise is probably like if you can just do that is probably like your best your best bet because that it's also kind of like the healthiest time of day to be outside um because if you think about it our skin also has a circadian rhythm and our skin is much more sensitive to light um in the later part of the day so to get that early morning sunlight and obviously the sun as it's like going moving throughout the sky it's got a different spectrum of light so that sunrise primes your body to be able to like you know quote unquote be okay with the later harsher um sun sun exposure so i would say the biggest hack that anyone could do is even if it's just having your morning coffee or morning tea or just wake up before you look at any phone before you turn on any lights just go outside and get your eyes accustomed to the natural sunlight outside Mm. so that's like my biggest Mm. hack and it's just just in terms of like stabilizing my mood and anxiety and just being outdoors we know how important nature and outdoors is so that's what I do in the beginning and then ready like once I finish that walk and I get ready to like pack my bags for college and leave I'm like I can totally get through this day like I'm I'm so fine and also like getting that morning sunlight why it's so important for me is that your sleep literally um starts in the morning like that your night sleep starts that morning so mm, it just helps with melatonin secretion um just to yeah you know optimize your sleep it's very important to get that early morning sun, sunrise and then obviously you know when the sun sets it's also quite important if you can just to get your eyes viewing the, the spectrum of light that is there when the sun is setting as well because that's obviously it signals to your body to start winding down yeah. And, you know, yeah. So let me go back to my morning. So I've done my morning walk and then I make my bulletproof coffee for me to take to college. And um, I pack my bags and then I head on to college. And then again, I, I always get there early because um, being early is on time in our industry. So um, <laughs> I have a few moments in the car just to like close my eyes again and just, you know, get my mind mentally prepared for the day ahead. 
and then yeah I start class and often it's like just dancing a lot of the time so I don't necessarily like eating a big meal before I just go and dance and stuff um so that's why I have my bulletproof coffee um and that has really really been a game changer for me because usually I would just have plain black coffee and that would just freak out my adrenals and my cortisol so to have and do, you, um, do you put some what, what do you put in there do you put some mct oil or butter or how, how do you have yours normally i just put mct oil i haven't okay. actually tried with butter but i know dave asprey would want me to put butter in mm-hmm. um yeah so at the moment it's just mct oil and then yeah i go on with my day and then lunchtime comes and that's when i have my mince and eggs and that sustains me for the rest of the day pretty much um if i'm hungry again i'll reach for some more fat um, like coconut oil or maybe like a bulletproof but not in coffee because I don't like having coffee after midday um, I'm just very sensitive to caffeine so I only have like one cup of coffee a day and yeah because I mean obviously coffee caffeine can also interrupt your sleep so sleep for yeah. me is essential so literally it all goes back to sleep so whatever I can do during the day to optimize my sleep is what I do I try to avoid although it's very very hard um, I just try to avoid like artificial lights, blue lights after, you know, around, you know, the few hours that I'm going to go be preparing to get into bed to sleep. And yeah, that's pretty much my days. And then obviously, depending on what time I get home, I either like batch cook for the next few days for college um, or I would like come home and then cook my meal for the next day. So everything, it's almost like I work a day before and it also relinquishes everything about like decision fatigue which is like another little hack that people can do like for example I know Steve Jobs and like I don't know I'm sure a lot of big CEOs they speak about um, decision fatigue and they like lay out their clothes like what they're going to wear for the next day already the previous night and that just helps helps things go so smoothly so I've literally applied all of that to my life and it's like I know when I'm going to bed I know exactly what I'm going to be wearing the next day and it's all like laid out and set out and in that regard, I think it just it just fuels the momentum to just keep going and just hacking my environment to just you know make it work for me. Mm. And yeah, no, that's I mean I, I'm I, I'm very similar in the sense where uh, you know for me waking up uh, first thing I do is meditate for twenty minutes. Um, sometimes it's really shitty because you're a bit tired, um, but geez, that just makes a whole whole host of a difference to to my to my day it's 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 incredible so wake up meditate for 20 minutes um if it's not meditation i do if i'm in a rush i do something called priming um it's a tony robbins technique but it involves a breathing technique um if you want to google it uh search it type in tony robbins priming uh it's super powerful but it's, it involves a breathing technique it involves um, some gratitude, it involves affirmations, um, and then finally it involves uh, visualizing the three things that you want to achieve. So three, he calls it your three to thrive. And it's really powerful and it's super freaky because a lot of that stuff has come true for me, which is, which is, which is nuts. Like, um, so yeah. Uh, and after that, uh, it's usually coffee, bulletproof with butter with grass-fed butter if, if possible Kerrygold is like the best to put in uh to put in um the bulletproof in my opinion it's just, just like the great don't get the unsalted in south africa i know it's, it's still, so sad it's, it's so, so sad <laughs> so sad um so one good thing about living in amsterdam <laughs> and yeah so 
I, I do put a bit of butter in when I work out, I put a bit of MCT in, but only when I'm working out. Um, and I do put some collagen in as well, just to give it that sort of extra bit okay. of a thing. That's essentially my breakfast. And then usually I'm in CrossFit in the CrossFit gym after that for like one and a half hours. I get back from CrossFit. We'll have like a bit of breakfast and then start work. And then that, that, I mean, that's my work schedule varies so, so intensely uh, being a freelancer. So it's very unpredictable, but like you say, it does help when you meal prep and you have things ready and you just know what's going to happen and, and you know what you're going to eat. That's, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about, you know, a meat-based diets is that in a sense, it, it does take so much indecision. I, I see some people like yeah. wondering what the fuck they're going to have for dinner every day. Just, I know exactly. I, I know it's, if it's not steak, it's, it's eggs. If it's, or if it's not <laughs> eggs, yeah. it's beef. Or if it's not beef, it's chicken or lamb. But it's so simple, you know, and, and you get so used to it. And it's, it, it really, it can be a game changer if you're a high-performing person. It really can. Um, but then, yeah, and then the end of my day can be very unstructured just due to the, the nature of a freelancer. But um, I do like to sometimes end off with a meditation after dinner. Um, walking. Walking is a huge one that I've, that I've adopted the past year yeah. uh, being in Europe is is after that last meal of the day, which is usually like between hoppers four and five o'clock in the evening is my last meal. I go for a walk and geez, that makes a huge difference to like how I yeah. feel afterwards with digestion, yeah. everything. Um, and then well, I'm that's with a huge on... hack. Mm, definitely. Sorry. That's a huge Not... hack for um, postprandial, you know, just to mitigate any huge glucose spike from your meal is just to go for like a... 10 15 20 minute walk it like does wonders to your blood glucose like um because i mean obviously the cgm is quite a big thing that's been rightly so brought about into like the whole biohacking health tech sphere a continuous glucose monitor and i mean people have gotten such they can see you know their glucose in real time which is amazing and they like they've come on their on like the levels website for example which is josh clement's website um they've like shown like how they've proven how just going for a, a, a walk after a meal like mm. is so good for you just 10 minutes yeah. i mean it doesn't have to be yeah. honestly it, it, it can just be a 10 minute walk um i think mark bell he's uh he's taking that hashtag the 10 minute walk but yeah. um i, I beginning of last year when i was uh in when i just arrived in europe i was wearing a glucose monitor a continuous glucose monitor for but um you had it was one? so yeah, it was certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Um, I think the site to get it from South Africa, it's called, I don't know, I'll, I'll get the site's name and I'll put it in the description and obviously send it to you. But it was really, it was really interesting. But it's like, again, it's one of those things where you can take it to the extreme. I could see some people wearing that constantly yeah. and just getting overcritical. I mean, listen, not every single glucose spike is a bad thing. It's it's like oh, no. some people, some people. <laughs> I love some people on social media. It's like if if their if their glucose spikes by just maybe ten percent or something, it, it's all holes broken loose. It's like oh my word, I, I, I'm done. And it's gone. You know, you know what I'm saying. It, it gets to the point where yeah. it becomes manic. But it was really insightful. Like a honey for me, honey spikes like big time, and and I just don't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I can eat a little bit of fruits or like things like rice. For some reason, doesn't spike me too much. 
um, and our remaining our remaining mild level of ketosis. But it, oh, wow. I mean, you you touched on this, but you know, context matters so much. It's like, yeah. who are you? Bio individual people. What are your goals? If you're type two diabetic, you know, and you listen to Paul Saladino or some of these guys speaking about eating fruits in your diet, it's probably not a fucking good idea. You know, it, you you you, no. you have a, you have a problem with insulin. It's not a good idea. But if you maybe somebody like myself who trains six times a week, I'm super active. I'm not trying to get lean at all. I'm, I'm not trying to become a bodybuilder. I just want to train. I just want to be able to lift fucking heavy weights across it. That's all I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of fruits and a little bit of a carb refeed on the weekend. It, it, it's not going to harm me, you know, it's really not going to harm me. But again, like you said, if, if you're whoever you are, if you're a woman as well, and you follow my regime, it might not work for you. And that's what I like to tell people is that I truly think that like 90%, it, your, your diet should be mostly meats and the rest you can play around with. It should be 90% of your calories should be coming from an animal-based source. I don't care what it is. And the, the, the 10% that's left over, it's up to you to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. You know, Maybe coffee doesn't work for you. Maybe rice doesn't work for you. Uh, maybe a bit of fruit works for you, but rice doesn't work for you. I don't know. You know, like you say, everyone's so bio individual. It's 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 time for this community to stop sort of putting these gurus on to pedestals and start trusting your own body to tell you what is right and what's wrong. Yeah. Well, I think um just as you know, bounce back. I think in Paul Saladino's context, like very very well for him. He is also living in Costa Rica most of the time. So he's always in the sun. And I think, as you've mentioned, like in other um, podcasts you've done, like you really do have to earn your carbohydrates. You can't like, you know, being in the sun all day, like you, it really does just allow yourself to have more carbohydrates. I mean, just if you think about it um, evolutionarily, like those countries that with the higher climates and stuff, they would have abundance of carbohydrates and fruit and stuff naturally in their environment. And also in Paul Saladino's context, he's also very active. He's like surfing for three hours a day and he works out and, and, and. So in his case, he's also not insulin resistant. Insulin resistant. He's metabolically flexible. He's healthy. He's worked on his gut, um, you know, and he did that healing via, uh, you know, an, an elimination diet like the carnivore diet. So I just wanted to give some insight into Paul Saladino's context where he is an active male who doesn't have type two diabetes or type one diabetes or any other chronic, you know, um, inflammatory disease. Um, and that just allows him therefore to be able to have a higher carbohydrate threshold. And just, you know, again, going back to, we don't, we have essential fatty acids and we have essential um, amino acids. We don't necessarily have an essential carbohydrate. So I agree with you. And in fact, my whole view on food has actually changed and it's come about with, you know, delving deep into minerals and electrolytes and um, nu nutrition density. And um, just some people to follow is like um, Dr. James Nicola Antonio and Simland and um, Ted Naiman. They're completely revolutionized my whole relationship with food and like to the point where I view food now as like okay how am I going to best hack my way to get the most nutrients the most bioavailable nutrients for my body because obviously in order to live an optimal life we have to you know feed our body with the most nutrient dense foods because as Ted Naiman amazingly pointed out um you know with the whole protein energy ratio and 
basically the reason why we get hungry is uh, it's our body wanting nutrients. It's like looking, searching for nutrients. And we will only be satisfied once we've reached those, you know, prim primarily protein, right? Yeah. It's primarily. Yes. Pr yeah. So yeah, you'll find, um, the most nutrient dense foods are animal foods. And this is not, again, it's not an ethical thing. It's not a moral thing. It's not an emotional thing at all. It's just like, it's like scientifically proven that like animal proteins, animal meats are the most bioavailable form of nutrients for mm. our body. Like if you just had to research all the nutrients you can find in a piece of meat, like you, it's like, it's ridiculous. And essentially, if you think about it, our bodies are made up of meat and fat, like, I mean, protein and fat. So it just makes yeah. sense. And it's not to say that plants don't have um, nutrients and amazing nutrition, but it's not necessarily bioavailable to our human bodies especially and, and that's a, that, yeah and that's a big sorry that's a big word because bioavailable uh for those that don't know basically means that yes spinach might have iron content but steak steaks iron content meaning bioavailable means our bodies and our guts and the way it's designed with our short is it a short small intestine um might well, be we're monogastric yeah. Yeah. So basically our guts and our high acidic stomachs can actually digest and absorb the iron content in a steak, whereas a spinach, those when you see those stupid social media diagrams that show that a, a spinach or whatever kale has the same iron content as a 200 gram piece of steak, it's absolute bullshit because bullshit. your body physically <laughs> yes. can your body physically cannot digest the same level of iron from a plant. Um, compound as it is from a steak and not to mention that plants themselves you know i like to say is that i am definitely not against plants in fact you know i think plants are medicine in my opinion you know whether you look into the world of psychedelics or there's yeah. certain plants like chamomile tea that can calm you down at night whatever it is plants are medicine but they, they should definitely not be the main course for humans and i like to tell people it's like plants are so clever they're insanely clever creatures um they don't want to be eaten they, they really don't want to be eaten so they develop these um defense mechanisms in the form of like oxalates phytates tannins that yeah. that mess with your immune system so that you don't eat them because they need to reproduce you know animals have legs and horns and they teeth to fight away, yeah. and run away exactly plants can't do that so plants use these defense mechanisms which actually are mainly for like little little ants or things you know to deter ants and mm -hmm. these little rabbits and things like that but obviously like you said over a long period of time like insulin resistance these compounds uh literally compound in effect over time and 30 years down the line you know it could be the dose that makes the poison it could be that last piece of bread with fucking i don't know uh pesticide on that actually causes your gut to just implode on itself and then you have to do something about it so yeah it takes time it takes time for things yeah. to damage and obviously it takes time to heal as well i guess that's yeah. that's that's another big thing is that is that people are so obsessed with uh with healing themselves instantly that they forget it's a process and you're not going to get it all right the first time it takes yeah. If it took you 20 years to to damage yourself due to alcohol and bad eating, it's probably probably not going to be the one little thing that you did wrong that's going to deter you, you know? You've got to be kind to yourself and respect the healing process. 
and yeah, yeah so many different facets to to us as creatures yeah I think the other I mean I was listening to an amazing podcast with Dr Jamie Seaman the other day and like she literally said the only way to get somewhere quickly like to reach a goal quickly is by doing it slowly and I think that goes back to just there is like consistency is so important just like consistently showing up even if it's just consistently and you you don't have to bite you don't have to like eat the whole cow at once like it's not possible you have to do it slowly and incrementally and baby steps and I think anyone in the whole bio and the like hacking environment space will like say it's just like stack your hacks like but do it one by one and don't overwhelm yourself because again that's just going to backfire you have to make this sustainable and um just going back to routine and consistency there's definitely freedom in routine and discipline like when you mm. you know and even if yes life happens it may not necessarily go to plan but you know even if you've just at least gotten your morning sunlight like that's one thing and yeah and yeah I just wanted to go back to that and yeah I was going to exactly like I was going to say exactly the same thing about plant toxins and that like plants can just run away um I mean animals can just run away plants can't so that's why you know it actually does I mean I do get the argument for you know almost like microdosing with plants and stuff in that it does create like a hormetic stress in your body but for someone who is wrought with autoimmune disease mm -hmm. and anxiety and stress that's an another stress on your body that doesn't as like it will just you know trigger you into mm. you know it may just be the thing that just tips you tips the glass over so yeah and then going back to psychedelics actually interestingly um plants are very very powerful and um just going also relating it back to eating disorders um it was very interesting they are doing some like research on psychedelics with eating disorder recovery and they're like um finding that you know even if it's like because you obviously get clinics um that actually can you know, supervise these microdosing experiences. And if I were to do that, I would definitely prefer to do it in a clinic where it's like clinically supervised and whatnot. But there's like, they've been this, like things like ketamine and psilocybin and uh, MDMA that like they're finding it's really showing some like strong evidence that it can be very, very helpful for not only eating disorders, but any PTSD yeah. and things. I mean, I know you, you've, I've um, spoken to Dr. Anthony Gustin about psychedelics. So I want to share if you have anything to add about psychedelics. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. And it's, I mean, I'm always happy to speak about it. So it's a huge passion of mine and it certainly altered my life in, in many, many ways. And I mean, I've only uh, in the past, I only used psychedelics in party settings um, as one does, you know, so it was only when I went to parties and uh, Satran's parties in Cape Town. Um, and I never really appreciated the medicinal properties of it. And, and I was using it more as an escape, you know, it's kind of like, I kind of like to give the analogy of meditation. I, I used to meditate with the sole purpose to escape my problems instead of actually feel them more deeply. Um, and I'm actually reading an interesting book now, not to go too much on the tangent because I can feel myself doing that, but <laughs> this guy was in this, like, he was going to this monastery and he had to pour this ice cold water on him every single day. And he just hated it. And eventually, long story short, eventually when he learns to accept the pain of the cold water each day and really embrace it and feel it, he actually didn't feel the cold anymore. He actually embraced the pain, but that's exactly what the psychedelics and, and meditation is doing. It's, it's not getting you out of your pain. It's actually showing you a pain. Like you, you, you yeah. sometimes so 
you're so close to the mountain, you can't see the peak. So what psychedelics does is it, it takes you back. And so you can see this whole mountain, this whole escapade of your life sort of before your eyes unraveling. And if you're not ready, like you say, if you're not ready and you don't have the correct support post and pre-ceremony, you can really induce a really difficult state for you. Um, so you, you need to be ready. You have to be ready for what comes, but there's no doubt about it is that it, it, it can be hugely beneficial for people, especially with eating disorders or alcohol, alcoholism and things like that. Um, I've done two guided ceremonies myself um, in 2020. In t- was it 2020? You know, I'm getting, I'm getting year blur here. Not, 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 uh, not day blur, I'm getting year blur here. But um, I think it was 2020. Was it before COVID? BC. It was, no, it was before during COVID. PC, I love that. No, it was post-COVID, PC. Um, so I did a guided ceremony with mescaline first. Um, and mescaline is a very masculine plant, um, or so my guide told me. Uh, it was a profound experience. It was one of the most profound experiences I've had in my life. I, I, I confronted a lot of family issues that, that have plagued me for years that I didn't even know was plaguing me. I, it was the most incredible thing. Um, and then I did a second guided ceremony when I was in Netherlands um, with uh, magic mushrooms, truffles. Um, and that was also, it, it, was, it, was, in, it was intensely, um, I don't know if that's what's playing, something's playing. I don't know if you can hear that, sorry. Um, it was intensely uh, gratifying and humbling to actually be in a ceremonial setting with these, with these substances that are so powerful because you, you've got to respect them. So it just gave me a level of respect for them that I, that I would never have gotten if, if you just go to a, a trans party and sort of take them, um, which is very interesting. So yeah, bottom line is yeah. plants are super powerful. And if a little, if a little cap of mushroom or a little drop of LSD can completely alter your consciousness for nine to 16 hours, you can't tell me that eating, you know, kale, kale is not going to do the same to a lesser effect. I'm not saying kale is going to yeah. make you trip balls, but it's definitely <laughs> having an effect on your body. So the, the point is, is that food, whether you like it or not, food affects your well-being. It, it's so fundamental to everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, food is information for our bodies. Um, Sean Stevenson speaks about this so brilliantly in that like we are literally made up of what we eat. Our cells are literally made up of the type of food that we are feeding our body and also how your body digests that. Because I mean, obviously, again, going back to we are not a closed system, we're an open system. Our bodies respond differently at different times of the day to different foods. It's like you can't even how can you even like put a blue cookie cutter formula onto someone? I mean, you don't even know like what how their body is responding to a carbohydrate, a protein, or a fat. Um, so yeah, I think it is very, like, unfortunately, I mean, I've listened to a lot of doctors and I've got a lot of doctor friends and like nutrition is so, it's like brushed over. They don't, in in like their studies of studying medicine, like they hardly, if anything, I don't even know if it's a two week course that they do. And I think in the, I think, I don't know, it's like literally makes up such a small part of their studies and in a way I, like it's they have to learn so much it's it's absolutely like it's almost like absurd how much they have to know so I totally understand that like something like nutrition will be like brushed over but it's almost like 
when you when you real like when you think about it, it's like obvious how can nutrition not play a role how can the food that you're eating not play a role with how you're feeling how you're like how you're sleeping and 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 like how you respond if you've got like fatigue or whatnot like it literally it baffles my mind that people can just brush over nutrition and think that it doesn't make a role mm. like we know for example that cancer cells thrive on glucose mm-hmm. like surely that's already a signal like okay maybe i should decrease if, if god forbid you do have cancer and maybe i should decrease my sugar intake and that includes fructose because yeah anyway and like we know like for example that linoleic acid is used in like studies to induce cancer for example because linoleic acid commonly mostly found abundant in vegetable oils and seed oils and these highly oxidized fats and stuff um polyunsaturated fatty acids like those if you're if that's your main source of fat for example that's what you're cooking with and it's like everywhere it's it's literally in every processed food it's in restaurants used to cook with it like if we know in scientific studies and scientific research that that is used to induce cancer in rats Mm -hmm. and cells how, how can you think that it's okay to just go and eat them and it's like in a way I one of my biggest passions is to bridge the gap between what is in the medical literature and what the public know because as we know because we have taken the red pill we know that you know the the big food industry and the big pharmaceutical industries pretty much run the western world and Mm -hmm. I mean even the developing world it's 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 devastating to see you know indigenous cultures like now suffering from immensely um and like an immense increase in chronic disease and obesity and 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 when they are so far removed from their natural diet you know and so yeah i'm very vocal about nutrition and because i mean it's just it's changed my life completely i would not be probably alive if it weren't for you know looking at what i was eating and what i was feeding my body and actually optimizing that and realizing okay like i need my body is made up of protein and fats i therefore need to feed it and mm-hmm. I need to feed my brain. I need to feed my bones. Like your bones are pretty, pretty much like mineralized protein. And like your brain, take away the water is just fat. Like just fat, yeah. Yeah. So to, to apply, that's why I think I love the whole concept of biohacking because you're literally hacking your biology and mm. um, understanding how the body works and all these ways that we can like like hack your biology to optimize your health has like been the single most like significant therapeutic intervention that I could go through just you know as a recovering anorexic and it's almost like to the point it's not even only anorexia I also don't like labeling things because at the end of the day we're all just humans experiencing a human experience so we all have our ups we all have our downs it just goes with life um so like literally any human with a mentality like we it's our birthright to live an optimal life and you know for you that can mean that you maybe can do xyz and eat xyz but for someone else it's not necessarily that and i think yeah i just i, I honestly i'm very vocal about i fact like i feel that understanding the body and understanding what it's made of should be taught in school it should be taught in school to prevent anything because yeah it's just yeah anyway i'm going yeah. off on a tangent no that i mean so true and there's so many things we are there's so many so looking back there's so many different failings that school gave me you know it, it, it definitely taught me it taught me a bit about maths and a bit about geography but you know it didn't teach me it didn't teach me much about actual nutrition which I had to sort of self-regulate and self-learn by myself 
um who knows maybe i maybe i would have gone down some vegan tangents if i hadn't had my wits about me. i was there anyway. <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's like you know it's so important there's so many different like facets to learning and school is one of them but it just teaches you how to be a cog in the machine really it doesn't teach you about your fears your angers your frustrations like you say your sexual drive these primal things that again i go back to what you said in the beginning you know what would your ancestors do and you look at these indigenous cultures and the way they're eating now it's so far removed from what their ancestors did let alone even my ancestors you know my grand my great great grand she was cooking with butter she was cooking ribeyes in butter she was yeah maybe had a bit of vegetables here and there but but there was no such thing as seed oils um there's no such thing as packaging and no such thing as any of that shit that we have in our food today literally yeah yeah and i mean i don't want to take up too much more of your time but is there like any sort of last minute i know you 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 much more like big into your biohacking than than i than i am at this stage and you certainly know more than i do but i mean is there anything else that you would sort of mention to somebody your age um if they're on the journey maybe let's just go as far as to say on on a similar recovering journey as you i know you don't like to use labels but um anorexia and recovering anorexic it's a huge deal for a lot of people um and i know our friend rosie in cape town as well is very vocal about it she's she's done well for herself but i know you mentioned sunlight and all these other things but is there anything else you would say to somebody maybe dealing with a similar situation as you yeah i mean it's sorry um okay um again it's like everyone has their own journey everyone has their own by individual experience and there's not a cookie cutter mold for eating disorder recovery i think if there was and if there was like a successful formula i think anorexia wouldn't be like the highest rate like wouldn't have the highest rate of mortality um unfortunately it does and one thing i can comment is that I know this, this is very, this can be controversial, um, but just going back to the whole hacking of it, um, when you do realize that oftentimes when you have dysregulated blood sugar, you have these spikes, ups and downs, that really manifests into ups and downs in your mood as well. Understandably, we know that the body is connected and we know what an, a significant role nutrition plays. Again, if you think about our bodies as a car and our car needs diesel petrol, but you feel like you filling it up with um, unleaded, obviously it's not going to work optimally. So something that I just observed in the eating disorder recovery space, and again, this is controversial, but it's my opinion and it's just my experience. Yes and no to work. It can work for other people. And I do agree. Okay, I'm just going to go backtrack. So in the eating disorder space, there's this whole like accept food as, you know, just, you know, when I was in the clinic, they would often just feed me a whole bar of chocolate and all these like junk foods to try and normalize the concept of junk food and just to try and normalize the concept of your relationship with food and not only eating disorder recovery, but it's obviously more significant eating disorder recovery just to, you know, you have to just face your fears, quote unquote, because a lot of the time those junk foods are fear foods for people. Um, But what do you think that does to your blood sugar? And it's not going to help you know, create an environment conducive to healing if your blood sugar levels are spiking up and down all the time. And I do agree that we shouldn't have a fear for relationship with food. I totally understand that. But 
I don't necessarily agree to just you know have those foods even in a hospital or even if you're just after surgery like if you see the food that they have <laughs> they give people at hospitals it's absolutely it's like it's devastating it's just it's literally shooting people in the foot like it's almost criminal that the hospital foods and food that they give patients are of such horrible quality and like just trigger more sickness and more disease anyway i go on a tangent if you want a good source to look into um follow brian sanders and food lies he's very vocal about that um and he's also got an amazing podcast called peak human but anyway going back to just hacks that you can do especially with eating disorder recovery i think the biggest thing um and it's very common with eating disorders is to like those feelings of feeling like unworthy and not enough and i know it's not only with eating disorders i think it's a common feeling that especially the younger generation feel um i think it's all part of the process of growing in this world um but to realize you know in this way this is where a lot of the the work really does need to come in like you have to again be confident in the fact that you are by individual you're an individual person and everyone's like human right is to like not to suffer we were not born to suffer so when you start realizing that mm. point i think you start to realize that okay i am just as much a human being as kim kardashian or britney spears or i don't know insert anyone um and i therefore have the right to live and survive um so that's the first sort of emotional work that i think people do try um get to through like psychotherapy or talking i think also having making sure you have someone like a safe person i i really am an advocate for counseling or therapy in one way or another because again you sort of touched on this with psychedelics but you know we the like the unconscious mind plays a huge part in our conscious reality and to be able to um gain the self awareness of yourself and what triggers you and all these things you know because again everything happens for a reason like you don't just randomly have type 2 diabetes like there's a root for that you know and it's all going back to finding the root cause of your things and that is a lot of things for for everyone like there's so much at play all at once so i'm an advocate for getting a counselor getting someone safe to speak to and i know that there are like online virtual sort of apps that you can also download if like expenses are a bit tight right now i think again vitamin c joining a community finding a community going back to even if it's like let's say as a kid you loved dancing so even if it's just going back to all the things that made you happy as a kid like mm. playing putting on some music you know again going back to sort of applying the like what would our ancestors do but like what would you do as a kid what would yeah. naturally be those things that made you that fueled your fire go back to those like for me it was music it was singing it was writing um those are also big hacks that you can start to include in your day again because that just reconnects you to like your authenticity and um oh there's so much going through my mind okay so besides like sunlight and stuff um i think the biggest thing that people can do and this is not only just like with eating disorders but like learn to read the labels of the food you are buying because if you can't understand an ingredient if it looks like gibberish like how do you like our bodies won't know how to absorb those like nutrients so mm. that's not necessarily for eating disorder things and i know it's 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 difficult with eating disorders because i know that like a lot of the time people do with our type a personalities we get obsessed and then that does that does create fuel a disordered relationship with food and body so again i i'm like in both of these worlds and i understand both sides of it because I, on the one hand of the spectrum i do believe that 
you should have a healthy relationship with food and body. And again, that's a process, but also sometimes in a lot of contexts, like having this perfection, like intuitive eating, for example, that for me is a very controversial uh, um, sort of term because firstly, no one can be quote unquote perfect. Like that's unrealistic. And like for me, for example, I think I brought it up in our round one, but like I am an, I'm an abstainer. I'm not a moderator. Like for me, I can't just moderate things. And I think that's probably why keto and especially carnivore was so good for me because it eliminated like my decision fatigue in a way. And it just diminished my anxiety about choosing foods. Um, Just because for me in my innate makeup, like I am an abstainer and it's easier for me to just, again, I'm someone who finds freedom in discipline. So there's that. And I know there's like, especially with, yeah, I'm, I'm saying this again, but like it is so controversial but I do know that if you zoom out completely and like if you're going through a really, really hard time, which I mean, who isn't, uh, when you realize that just stress is such, is like a silent killer and you realize that, okay, there's like stress literally causes inflammation in your body. And I, I, I'm not dogmatic. I don't think anyone needs, I don't think everyone needs to go full on carnivore. I don't think everyone needs to be in a state of ketosis all the time. I just honestly just believe in whole foods. If it doesn't have an ingredient list, our bodies will be able to you know like what would our ancestors eat essentially so but I think the reason why keto and fat just worked so well for me is because again our brain is pretty much made up of fat so I was able to reach a point where I was like okay well firstly you actually do have you have to want something that's I should have prefaced this with anything you have to want to get better that's a big thing Mm. if you don't want to do something you never you know it has to be genuine and authentic to you and it's a process to get there but anyway going back to fat I realized and applying the whole hacking uh, sort of mindset to this is that I need my brain to be less inflamed. And the only way I'm going to get there is if I decrease my carbohydrates and increase my fats. And it was just that simple thing where I was, and and the healthy kind of fats, the right kinds of fats, the the saturated fats, the butter, the coconut oil, the MCT oil, avocado pear, um, tallow, yeah, animal fats, eggs, egg yolks. It was, it, yeah, it, it was almost like I was hacking my physiolo- like my physiology to be able to hack my mindset. So in that regard, I'm very vocal about the fact that, yes, it's all very well trying to do the emotional work, but if you don't physiologically have the emotional energy and the emotional clarity to be able to do that work, then nothing, you know, it's, you're going to be stuck in this rut, quote unquote. So I do think that if people are aware of how they can, you know, decrease that inflammation just on a purely physiological level, before you can do any mental work, I do think you need the fuel. It's like a symbiotic relationship. Um, so I don't really know if I've answered, I've gone on so many tangents, but in terms of like, yeah, hacks and stuff, I I was able to hack ketosis for me and I was able to hack my physiology and realizing that I'm made of protein and fat. So therefore I'm going to feed myself protein and fat. And my body started to feel less inflamed and I, therefore my mood lifted. And then I was able to start actually applying because I had had been in therapy most of my life. I was actually able to start applying everything that I had been speaking about for all these Mm. years. And I was actually able to feel it. And it was only given that I was sleeping well, I was sleeping better. I was actually sleeping. I was giving my body the adequate nutrition and feel it needs to be able to actually function. So I am very vocal about food choices and it's not in a way that is related to a disordered relationship with food. Um, That is a thing, but you have to, in order to work with, it's almost like which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like 
I think it's a symbiotic relationship. If you can hack your nutrition, that is the most nutrient dense and also like optimal for you. And again, that can change. And that goes back to by individual, like by individuality. I, I think it's like the biggest life hack you can ever give yourself is the optimal nutrition. De- yeah, definitely. Definitely. Without a doubt. Um, it's the catalyst for so many, so many different things, but um. Yeah, Kelsey, I really appreciate this round two. Um, it's been we have absolutely... to have a round three. Oh, yes, there's so much. There's so much. So um, much. But uh, I really do appreciate your time. And I'll just leave, you know, anybody out there that's listening, you know, you, you're not alone. Um, you know, you're definitely not alone. Um, uh, peace, peace for me comes from acceptance. Uh, it's a big part of it. And be kind to yourself, you know. If, if you can if you can leave with those three mantras you you you're going to do a lot of things um much better but uh yeah i i really enjoyed this episode a lot and i can't wait for for round two or round three sorry <laughs> round three round three <laughs> yeah cheers